And still, the undisputed champion of the WWE, Roman Reigns. Welcome to this special Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Clash at the Castle wrap-up. I am Jay Hood. Don't forget to check out Good Karma Wrestling every Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 Pacific. You can find it on YouTube or right here on this podcast feed. We had a great week of previews, including a preview of this show that took place in Cardiff, Wales, with Clash of the Castle, of course, all out, taking place in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, and also NXT, the show that they have coming up in Orlando, Florida on Sunday as well. So some great conversations with Taya Valkyrie as well as Matt Menard and so much more. If you missed it, go back in the archives and check out this podcast feed. Well... Just got through watching WWE Clash of the Castle from Cardiff, Wales. Over 60,000 people, legit, that were in the house to be able to see this one. And so now, 734 days and counting, Roman Reigns is still the champion. I will tell you this. In this regime, under Triple H, the packages, the videos, the build-up for Drew McIntyre to go to the UK, going to his home country... And to be able to go after the championship, it made me believe that Drew was going to win today. It really did. Only based on the buildup. We never, I've not seen a buildup, maybe not since WrestleManias, where we see this kind of buildup to a main event matchup like Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Now, these two have wrestled around the horn on live events to try to prepare for uh, today's event. So they were familiar with another, of course. But... This matchup was fantastic. The near falls made you believe that Drew McIntyre at some point was going to win this championship. And it just did not happen. Number one, Tyson Fury was all over this pay-per-view. A couple times he was being showed by the WWE cameras. He stepped in and stopped the cash-in from Theory. He, all, all of a sudden, here comes Theory coming down the aisle. Now, when Theory came down in the middle of the match... I thought, okay, he's not going to really cash in, but he's going to at least attempt. And then here's Tyson Fury with a big, big punch right to the face of Theory. I was very happy to see that. But here comes Solo Sokoa. Part of the bloodline now, it looks like. The younger brother of the Usos. And he runs interference to help Roman Reigns win and retain the championship. But this matchup was off the hook because it was one-on-one for a long time. Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns went back and forth. They told a great story. The lead-up for this was fantastic. The build for this was unbelievable. As I mentioned, the video packages were fantastic. Um, And Roman Reigns ends up staying the champion. Tyson Fury comes in after the match and shakes the hand of Roman Reigns. I didn't know why Fury got into the ring, but he actually shook the hand of Roman Reigns. I thought, is this the next matchup? Is this what we're going to see in Extreme Rules in Philly? I didn't know what to expect. And I think this is really the essence of the WWE under Triple H's regime. You're watching this, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen from moment to moment. Exactly, Despite what you read or despite what I think that's going to happen, there could always be something else that could be occurring. And so just to see Fury in there, I'm like, okay, we're going to get a Fury-Reigns match. And of course, with Drew McIntyre, to me, it was the perfect opportunity for him to win the championship 
at Cardiff, Wales. They have waited for decades to have a pay-per-view or a major event uh, in that country. And I thought, well, you know, if you're ever going to give them something to be happy about, and it's all set up, there's no Heyman, there's no Usos, it's just Reigns by himself. If, if you're ever going to drop the championships, it would be today. It did not happen. And so Roman Reigns continues to be the champion, but then there's another little bit of a wrinkle to the bloodline because here's Solo Sokoa interfering in the matchup, coming from NXT and now brought up to the main roster. It's perfect because now that bloodline continues. Of course, I don't expect for Sami Zayn to be part of that bloodline uh, too much longer. That's why Solo Sokoa is in place. So I thought that was the best match in the card. No surprise. Gunter against Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship. I love that the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship do mean something again in this company. The lineage of the Intercontinental Championship goes back, as Michael Cole was talking about, to 1979 with Pat Patterson. And he described it perfectly, Cole did, when he talked about how it was the, the workhorse or workman's championship. You know, when Hogan was on top, Hogan, of course, would be the one to draw the house and draw big money for the company. But his matches were 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He rips off the shirt. He gets beat down. There's a comeback. Drops the leg. One, two, three. Everybody goes home happy. But something had to happen where someone had to wrestle on that show. Somebody had to have a championship that could actually go. And so this is why the Intercontinental Championship really mattered back then. And I think it's starting to matter again. Because Gunter is out there, and again, Gunter and Sheamus have wrestled in front of UK audiences for a long time. You heard Walter Chance, if you noticed that in the matchup, because people are like, hey, I know who this guy is, because in small pubs in the UK, or small arenas, or you know, little armories, that guy was lighting it up, Gunter. Uh, when he was Walter wrestling overseas. And people know who Sheamus is too, because Sheamus also wrestled in some of these you know, smaller places in the UK, and they both now on the WWE stage. Can I just tell you something? I love that Gunter and Sheamus are going after it. I love that these two were physical and they were going at it. You and like, I've already known that Gunter can wrestle. I already know that I know that he has a powerful uh, chop, and I know that in matches I've seen him in NXT and some of the stuff I've ordered on um, uh, on uh, UK television, man, he is just fantastic. And Sheamus is too. Let me just give Sheamus his flowers. I don't say this enough. I cannot recall a match in which Sheamus was involved in one-on-one -on -one with someone in which I was disappointed. Sheamus, not just because of the show uh, that he put on with Gunter today, it's just that Sheamus, over the years, has put on some bangers, some quality matches, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. The dude is going out there, whether he wins or loses, and puts on quite a show. He is powerful. He absorbs a lot of punishment. Uh, I don't know if you've considered him like a supreme babyface over the years, but I just know one thing, that whether he's babyface or heel, people should be able to respect Sheamus. He is. He puts on quite a show, and he took a lot of punishment from Gunter. He he put him over big time. But also, I think Gunter did a good job of allowing Sheamus to get his stuff in too. 
Man, I, I enjoyed this match because of how powerful it was, how physical it was, and Gunther uh, wins the championship. And by the way, Imperium is back to, in uh, in its entirety now. We don't get Alexander Wolf, looks like, but at least we got the top three guys uh, in that uh, formation uh, where you have Imperium back. And I have two Imperium t-shirts, so I don't have to throw those away. At least those guys are back, and I'm very happy to see that. Very happy that Imperium is back because I thought um, at uh, NXT UK, I thought that they were very underrated. And, uh, and now they're back in their formation, which is cool. Seth Rollins against Matt Riddle. What I really liked about the build for this is it was personal. And if you've been, and I've retweeted a lot of this stuff at GKW underscore wrestling on our Twitter feed. When you hear the interviews of like Seth Rollins, and I've heard several interviews with him uh, that he had in Wales uh, and a couple of radio stations like this. There's actual heat between Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. And Seth continues to say, you know what? I'm professional. Once we get into the ring, it's going to be professional. But otherwise, I don't really like this guy at all. And it's something personal where Matt Riddle's ex-wife was saying something about Becky Lynch and the way she looks or talking about how some of the women look uh, in the WWE. I don't know if that's body shaming, fat shaming. I'm not sure what it was. But uh, Seth Rollins is not like Matt Riddle. And I like that the build for this was very reminiscent of what we saw in the UFC uh, with Cormier and Jones, where they had their back and forth on a you know one-on-one conversation, and all of a sudden it just spilled over. Same thing here with Rollins and Riddle. So at least we know going in that there is a problem between Rollins and Riddle and Seth Rollins comes out on top. The fans were so behind Seth Rollins. They were um, singing his song. They were really into it. They were chanting Drew's name as well. Hats off to that UK crowd. That's exactly what you expect when you see a show over there. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of fun that the fans are having. And a lot of emotion uh, when you see these UK crowds. So it's some of my favorite crowds to watch when I'm watching pro wrestling. So I just thought that was great. I thought the match was uh, very good. I thought it would be actually better. But I thought it was very, very good. And uh, But it's I think Seth coming out on top using the emotion of Riddle for him to win. Rollins comes out on top and wins it. We've been waiting for this turn from Dominic Mysterio, and it happened in which Edge and Rey Mysterio beat the Judgment Day. So we think that after Edge and Rey win the matchup, everything's cool, and Dominic Mysterio kicks Edge right in the balls, in the ding-dong, in the dick. Hmm... And then the clothesline on Rey Mysterio. And my question to you is, so what does this mean for Dominic Mysterio? Is he part of the Judgment Day? If he is, fine. If he's just a lone wolf, fine. Can Dominic Mysterio wrestle? I don't know. Like, this whole thing that we've been waiting for for a year actually happened in which Dominic turns on his father and Edge. Okay, so where's the money in Dominic versus Rey? That a good match? Just think about it for a second. Like, if you've wanted Dominic Mysterio to be part of the Judgment Day or be against his dad or or whatever, you think Dominic Mysterio can go? You think that guy on one-on-one is a draw? Can he go? Can he wrestle? 
Has he skipped a few steps? Has he spent time in NXT? Huh. Um, so, like, it happened, and I'm shrugging my shoulders like, okay, now he's against Edge and he's against uh, his dad. Okay, so now what happens? I've seen a lot of guys that were the sons of wrestlers, and it didn't work out very well, like Angelo Mosca Jr. and Kendall Wyndham and... You know, um, the list goes on and on of wrestlers that fell short, Greg Gagne, of being able to be on the same level or at least different than their father, Eric Watts. Um, there's a lot of, of examples of that over the years that I can give you, of which the son, David Flair, is not necessarily as good as the dad. So we will see what happens with that. Trio's tag team match with... Bailey, Io, and Dakota against Asuka, uh, as well as uh, Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. That was the lead for this matchup, uh, for this card. Really liked it. Thought it was a lot of action there. We saw that Bailey, Io, and Dakota won the matchup. There was a lot of adulation for Bailey, and rightfully so, uh, to see her back in. Uh, especially wrestling in the UK, even though she tried to play a heel, she couldn't help but to smile because the fans missed Bailey and they love Bailey. And I love this faction, by the way, because it's new and fresh. What happens with Bailey, EO, and Dakota? Do they eventually get two of these women to win the women's tag team championships? Do they battle with uh, maybe Sasha and Naomi when and if they return to the WWE? Uh, all I know is that um, I really like this faction. Bianca Belair was p- pinned in this bout. And so that says something because it was uh, Bailey with the pin on Bianca Belair. That's plants a seed for something in the future. Yes, I'd like to see Bailey and Bianca go at it. I think it'll be a fine matchup. But uh, to see the champion being pinned there, interesting. Not Asuka and Alexa Bliss, but it was Bianca that was pinned. Liv Morgan wins her SmackDown Women's Championship matchup and retains against Shayna Baszler. You know, this matchup was better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't expect much. The crowd was uh, quiet and just kind of watching to see if they're going to see something different from Liv Morgan. There's some fight from Liv Morgan, and I thought they told a good story with uh, Shayna Baszler. I saw some interviews and read some stuff from Shayna Baszler as well um, leading up to this uh, card in Cardiff, and um, you know what? She understands that, hey, you know what? I'm more comfortable in my skin now than I ever have been in WWE after her time in the UFC, so it was it was decent. Um, if that's the worst match on that card, then that says a lot, because um, all these matches had either a strong story or a great in-ring, and so I have no problems with what I saw from Clash at the Castle. I find it interesting, though, as I wrap up here, that so many will look at, say, AEW All Out and say, boy, you got 13, 14 matches. That's just too long. Even when the announcers, Jim Ross, said, is this, is this card going to be eight hours? Complaining openly on Rampage on Friday night. And then some on the other side said, well, there's only six matches. I mean, I mean, you could add the Usos. You can add, you know, a U.S. title match or you can add, you know what? The three-plus hours flew by because these matches were able to really tell a great story, for the most part. 
they told a great story. And we were thoroughly entertained. And I'm happy for the people in the UK that they were able to get their major event. Because at 12 o'clock Central Time in, on a college football Saturday, the first week of college football, the WWE says, you know what? We know it's college football, but you know, we are going to put this show on because we have to be able to extend our stories here. And I thought it was a, to me, an overall A minus. I can't even give it a B. I thought it was an A minus. It was that good. Um, because Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre delivered. I thought the Gunter and Sheamus uh, had an opportunity to steal the show, quite frankly, just based on how they were going back and forth for the Intercontinental Championship. And I know that Triple H was, put, was trying to put more of an emphasis on some of these secondary um, championships in this company, which is a positive. Seth Rollins and, and Riddle, they had their match, and it was fantastic. I'm glad that these matches had time so we could be able to enjoy them. Some think that wrestling cards are too long. Some think they're too short. As long as you put in the ring, as long as it's great and it's telling the story, and we've got near falls and we've got some fantastic uh, moves and things we haven't seen before, it all pays off. Absolutely all pays off. So I had fun watching that, um, this show. And I hope they have more shows in the UK. You know, for whatever reason. Vince McMahon decided not to be able to put major shows on uh, for a pay-per-view in the UK. Can't do that, pal, because of the time change. Can't do that. Can't have shows in the middle of the day or early afternoon or early morning uh, West Coast time. Well, that's me in the UK. We lose money that way. Nope. People want to know, number one about the show, would Roman Reigns lose to Drew McIntyre in Drew McIntyre's home country in the UK, in Cardiff, Wales, where you have so many people that were rooting for Drew. Drew did so much media every time I turned on my Twitter, every time I went to my Instagram, this dude was talking about the WWE, talking about himself, doing charities. I'm like, golly, is he going to win the championship? Every time I open up my Instagram, go to the WWE, they had all these videos of him when he was clean-shaven and when he was supposed to be the guy under Vince McMahon and had to leave and then come back. And just like, what a great story. And still loses. Does this mean he'll ever win? Will he ever win the championship? And will he ever beat Roman Reigns? That's a question I would have for you. Question about uh, Gunter and Sheamus. Can we see that match again? Can we get a best of seven? <laughs> Can we see that matchup again? I'm interested in seeing it. What's next? Because now the uh, Imperium is together. And so now you have, God, whatever their new names are, Ludwig and Giovanni, I think their new names are. I know Triple H deep down probably wishes he could t switch those names back <laughs> to what they were before. But um, yeah, and so what, what happens then and what happens with Sheamus? Right, and where was his group, by the way, at the end of the the matchup? I mean, Gunter's guys came out. Where was Sheamus? Sheamus kind of went down and ramp by himself after the matchup, but he was red. He had welts everywhere. So what happens with Matt Riddle now after losing against Seth Rollins? Do they continue the feud? Seth Rollins was due to win a match on pay per view, by the way, because it's been a while. What happens with Dominic Mysterio? Is he with the Judgment Day? And of course. What's up with um, what's up with Bailey? Is she going to be in line for a title match against Bianca Belair? 
A lot of question marks out there. One more thing, Triple H. I saw his interview on BT Sport. And it was about an hour, about an hour 15. He had a sit-down one-on-one interview. And I thought that uh, it was fantastic. It's a great, great interview. Ariel Hawani asked some really good questions. And I think that we got as, as candid as Triple H can be. As candid as he wants to be. There's some question marks about one comment he made about AEW and NXT that I thought was interesting. Did Vince McMahon take NXT away from Triple H? So Ariel Hawani asked the question. NXT went head-to-head with AEW. It couldn't beat him. We're going to punish it. Was that a real thing? No. Nonsense. No, no look, we do. Uh, people put so much pressure on this, this all this competitive wars. It never was that. Look, first of all, they beat our developmental system good for them right Uh, aew beat our developmental system good for them hmm it's funny because triple h did not consider nxt developmental when he was in it he's actually downplaying his own accomplishments by saying that well aew when we were head-to-head against them it was our developmental so congratulations to them so you mean to tell me that when we saw bangers like Johnny Gargano against Ciampa, that was developmental? When we saw Charlotte and Bailey and and Sasha Banks and so many others in NXT, that's developmental? Hmm. Can I just tell you something? I'm not cool with the developmental comment and also the revisionist history by Triple H. He got his ass whooped by AEW. And there's always, every interview, there's just one head scratcher. Almost every interview, you're like, mm, yeah, that's just not true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it just, it just some things where he says is just like, some of the things he says, you're like, okay, you can nod your head. You're like, okay, I see you're going with this. Yes, this makes sense. Yes. And then stuff like that. Yeah, you beat our developmental? No, that was a third brand. It You can see it. It's written in a lot of places where he considered, you know, when Sami Zayn was there and Samoa Joe was there and so many other veterans, uh, he didn't consider it developmental. He called, considered it a third brand next to Raw and SmackDown. I don't understand that logic, but you can check the interview out yourself. Um, I think that it was very well done by Ariel, and uh, I think that you really, really get an insight on Triple H, everything he went through, especially from a a, a mental and physical standpoint, because he was at death's door. He talks about it, which is uh, quite a story. Talks about life without Vince McMahon and life with Stephanie McMahon and uh, a lot more. So check out the interview wherever you can find that uh, really, I think, solid conversation. But that piece about AEW... They beat our developmental, well, you know, good for them. Yeah, I don't think Vince McMahon liked the idea that they were losing to AEW at all. Don't forget, every Thursday, check out Good Karma Wrestling. 
So I bet you we had some great interviews leading up to this busy weekend of wrestling. I just wanted to stop by and tell you thank you for listening and tell people that John Hood Talks Wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday when we have breaking news like this one here. This show, just a, a show that we are reviewing Clash of the Castle. There's always going to be a lot more. So just subscribe to this feed. Never miss an episode right here. Go Karma Wrestling every Thursday. And of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much, as always, for your support.